BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. This is the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. Also brought to you by Sparks Hockey, Dairy Queen, Catcher's Law, the Eastern Hockey Federation, and Duncan. America runs on Duncan. Now, Ryan Johnston, Judd Surratt, and Bob Beers. Welcome in to another edition of the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. It is great to have you with us as we get together for a couple hours of hockey talk every Saturday morning. We're here until 11 o'clock. Ryan Johnston joined in the Town Fair Tire Studios this week by Ty Anderson of 98.5thesportshub.com. What's up? What's going on? Gotta love a good West Coast trip, don't you? Yeah, it's great. Ten thirty start times. Just feeling like you're constantly <laughs> jet lagged. You're like, what? What day is it? I actually woke up. Uh, I think yesterday, and I was like, what? What day is it? Girlfriend's like, it's Friday. I'm like, I don't believe you. Well, it's a good thing that the Bruins don't have like twelve days off between games. Yeah, it's great. No, <laughs> I, I I love this. Every year we do this. Every year they play four games in the first month of the season. And then in March and April, they're doing day-night doubleheaders because they need to get the schedule wrapped up. It really is amazing. But we're sitting here uh, bitching about the schedule between the two of us uh, throughout the course of the morning. We will talk a little bit about that. We've got a lot to uh, to cover as the Bruins 3-0 and to start the season. Um, the opposition has not exactly been the iron of the league thus far, but they're taking care of business, getting their feet under them. And now tonight they'll... Uh, Take on the L.A. Kings. Tomorrow night they get Anaheim. Then it's off to Chicago on the way home. And then they get home for a little bit. Uh, So it's going to be a busy week this coming week. They've got five games between now and next Saturday night. Uh, So if you, like us, are, you know, kind of not feeling it yet because there's been so much downtime. I mean, they, you know, they get, you get opening night and it's like, then you get a t- two days off. Then you get one game. Then you get four days off. Now they're playing at 1030 Eastern. It's like, it, it, it doesn't feel like the, the schedule has really kicked in yet. It doesn't feel like the season has really kicked in yet. It should feel like that by the end of the week. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that you're noticing that they need to get in a game rhythm here. I think really you're noticing it between the practices. There's been a few practices out of the gate already where Jim Montgomery has not been happy with his team's practice. Including like Wednesday and Thursday. Like yeah. He didn't like Thursday morning skate either. And I think that the players need to get in rhythm. I don't think players like these kind of schedules where they're sitting around. They much prefer playing every other day because if if you have a bad skate, a bad game, bad shift, whatever, it's easier to put it behind you. And granted, they're 3-0, and so I'm not sure how many guys are feeling truly bad about their game right now. But you, you hate these long layoffs because you do want to get your body in rhythm. You do want to feel like you're you're in the thick of it. Because when you're not, that's when injuries happen. That's when slumps linger, all of that. 
So one of the kind of storylines to watch here over the, or has been over the first three games and will continue to be is Jim Montgomery continues to kind of tinker with the lines, what the combinations, you know, what the, what the best combinations may be here as they go forward. We see, you know, Patra ends up with Marshan and geeky heading into the game on, on Thursday night. Uh, how long do you think it will take, given as much turnover as they had in the roster, before he can kind of settle in and say, okay, this is, you know, and he'll always be tinkering. He'll always be moving guys around in game. But how long do you think before he really figures out, this is what we think our our best four lines look like? I would say probably 20 to 25 games. And, and I would also say, I mean, you're going to have your first chapter of that at the nine-game mark. Does does Patra stick around? Yeah. Does he go back to junior? I think that Patra is the player to watch tonight because I don't think he had a good game on Thursday. He recovered well. In the first period, he lost five of his six faceoffs. He won his next three by the end of the night. So in-game recovery, in-game adjustment, I like seeing that. Um, but ultimately, he wasn't really a factor. Don't think he had a shot attempt. Don't think he had much of anything, you know, outside of that recovery on the faceoff. So if he has another bad night, Another non-factor, it's like, okay, is he, is he sticking around? Because after two games, I was like, oh, he's sticking around. Now, you know, it, it, the sample size has got to be greater before we know exactly what's happening. But big game, I think, for Potra tonight. Uh, but but he's the first domino. Does he stick around? You know, Heinen is still kicking around on a PTO? Yeah. Like, And, and he's going to kick around until they figure out what's going on with Potra, I think. like Because that does change who your 13th forward is or, or who your fourth-line center is. You know, like... There is a, a trickle-around effect with Patra that is that is quite, you know, sizable with this roster. Well, you know, and listen, I, I appreciate what Danton Heinen can bring to this team if, in fact, he ends up being a part of this team going forward. Uh, but there was, you know, this level of excitement as we saw Patra play through the preseason and heard all the reports coming out of training camp about what he can do and how well he was fitting in. Listen. You have to remember, this is a, a very young kid with very little experience. You know, as you said, didn't play his best game the other night. It's his third NHL appearance. Right. Right. I mean, he's also being, you know, shoved into a new situation where, you know, they put him with Marshan and Geeky, brand new line, hasn't played, you know, hasn't gotten a chance to work together all that much. It doesn't work necessarily right out of the gate, but... This is part of that nine-game process is not just figuring out does he fit here for the long term, but where does he fit and what's the best use of him? You know, we got a, a, a couple games of a look at him as the third-line center. Now we're going to see can he play a top-six role instead, and you got to give that a little bit of time to marinate, and I know nine games isn't a great amount of time to to figure all that out, but that's what they've got. Yeah, and that's, I mean, no one has any patience anymore. Nobody has patience. It's all Amazon's fault and the Internet's fault. But anyways, like, no, and and go back to the last time that we saw, you know, and, and I hate using this term because I don't think it's totally accurate, but an out-of-nowhere prospect who just came onto the scene and stuck. Mm. Milan Lucic back in 2007. And if you remember, if you go back then, Lucic didn't really make an impact until his fourth game, which was in L.A. against the Kings. He had a Gordie Howe hat trick. He had a goal assist in the fight, and a fight. And and I talked to Lucic about 
that pressure of, you know, you're, you're a 19 year old to make the team out of camp. Like, when did you realize, okay, I belong? And Lucic told me that LA game, because that was huge for my confidence. I got on the board with production. I felt like I played the brand of hockey that I want to play. It was off to the races. So I think Potra still needs that moment, like that, oh, I can do this. He gets the assist on the, the Frederick Cole and opening night, but like, you need more than that. Like, you need, like, you need a two assist night or a night where, you know, you have multiple points. You win your face-offs. You make a great, you know, maybe D-zone play or something like that. And you're like, okay, I'm I'm here. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, like he still needs that, I think. So we'll see if he can get get it tonight. It'd be a, a great opponent to get it against. You know, that's a deep team in L.A., especially down the middle. Uh, but but I think he needs that moment between now and game nine, I think, to, to truly stick and to, to feel like he's part of this full-time. I put out a call uh, earlier this morning on Twitter or X or whatever it is we're referring to these days, uh, uh, you know, for questions, topics, things that people wanted to to hear us talk about this morning. And, and that was one of the responses that I got, you know, speaking of, uh, of, you know, lack of patience, CJ says Patra seems to be thriving or seemed to be thriving in the third line center role paired with Marshand. He doesn't seem to have the same chemistry. What do we see them together for about 10 minutes tonight? I mean, it, it, you know, again, Little, little quick to judge there, but they, you know, they wondered like, you know, it, whether he needs consistency. I, I, I don't think you're going to get that level of consistency when Jim Montgomery is your coach. You're going to have to be able to play with a, a variety of guys and be able to make it work and be able to make it fit. And that's what he's had to deal with in the first few games already. Especially because internally they look at the nine game tryout as an extenuate as an extension of his preseason mm. like they are not entering this saying no he's set on this line like they they are not looking at it like that they are looking at it like we're gonna move them all around because this is basically bonus preseason for him which is a fair way to look at it i mean and and i've been of the belief and the opinion that you got to give martian patra debrusque a run because i, I want to see that too mm-hmm. but that's a tough challenge because that is considered your second line or your one A line, your one B line, whatever that whatever that team views views that line as. Um, but but it's that's sort of the, like and, and Montgomery's talked about this with with Potter. He said he's going to get tough matchups, but if he's going to play here, that's going to be the case no matter what. You can't you can't have a whole season of avoiding any hard matchups. So get him out of the way now. See if he can handle them first of all, and because that's going to again that's going to make your decision. Between now and game nine, a whole lot easier if you can hang against upper echelon competition. We will get to your calls coming up. 617-779-0985. Your thoughts on what you've seen out of the first three games, particularly the L.A. game on Thursday night. We will talk uh, about some of the players up and down this roster that have started off well. I mean, even when he gets tackled. David Posternak can't be stopped from finding the back of the net. So we'll talk a little bit about him. Jer- uh, James Van Riemsdyk has gotten off to a, a pretty good start offensively. You want to talk about those Moneyball Bruins? Because I love it. <laughs> this is the Moneyball Bruins this year. We will get to all of that coming up as we get started here on this week's edition of the Shaws and Star Market. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 
This is where Boston comes for everything hockey. The Shaws and Star Market Hockey Show on the Sports Hub. Let's walk through the fire together. Ninety-eight-five, the Sports Hub. It is the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. Ryan Johnston and Ty Anderson here with you on a Saturday morning. I swear this song was in like an NHL video game. <laughs> yeah, I think it was twelve, maybe. Nailed it. Nailed it. I I didn't know the year. I just I was like I know this song. Why, do, know, I, all why the, do I know this? Song? All the all the years blend together. I know. After a while, I mean they've been they've been making the same game now hockey video games for what like 35 40 years now yeah and like dating back to you know fat guy skinny guy nintendo ice hockey they're like this year you can hit the guy's helmet off his head i'm like cool can the goalie not give up five goals on 12 shots they're like nope just helmets popping off thanks <laughs> make little wayne's head bleed and kick his legs out <laughs> we'll all be happy all right we are back here on the shaws and star market hockey show Ryan and Ty with you until 11 o'clock. Billy Chaffee's going to join us early today, uh, in part because of our schedule, in part because of his. So he will be with us in about 15 minutes. And uh, we will talk with uh, Judd Surratt and Bob Beers coming up in the second hour of the show. We also, of course, take your calls, 617-779-0985. Before we get to those calls, Ty, um, you know, I I half-heartedly, I think, with you last week joked about David Posternak and his uh, heart trophy chances and 150 goals and, and whatnot, uh, four goals and an assist through three games. And the, the goal the other night was, I mean, you're not going to see David Posternak score an uglier goal than that. Not still not sure exactly how that wound up in the net, but like he has started off. I, I mean, you need a guy like that to, you know, kind of even elevate his game and, find a way to score even more considering what they lost over the offseason, and so far, mission accomplished. Yeah, and this is sort of the the point that people like myself, and I believe you as well, we're trying to make in the offseason where you're hearing that you got to give Bertuzzi a bag of money because he, he clicks with Pasternak. How about Pasternak clicks with everybody because he's just an amazing player. He's, he's a top 10 player in this league. He's a top three winger in this league and I don't think he's two <laughs> or three for that matter. Well, if you're playing on, if you're playing on a line with David Posternak, you know, you're going to have time and space because yes. the other team has to spend an inordinate amount of time dealing with him. And that's what I was going to say. That goal last night is scored because you have two sharks converging on him because they have to, because he's one of, he's the best winger in hockey. So you have to do that. Like you have to converge on him. It's going to open up time and space either for himself to bank it off someone's skate and in or, you know, for his line mates to score an easy goal. And, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like Pasternak's com- commitment to variety there. He's going to score the prettiest penalty shot goal of the season one game. Next game, he's going to do a ping pong off everyone's legs, limbs, and skate blades to, to score his fourth goal of the year. So I like that. Variety. You need it. Maria in Watertown is up first. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. Yeah, Pasta's goal was um, an athletic feat. The um the only thing I will say about that is the risk-reward with him on the power play was a little bit evident in the second period in that, you know, he tried to make a couple of ill-advised passes and uh, t- 
turned around and potentially could have bitten him in the foot. So, um, you know, I think that's still an area for him that he needs to, to work on a little bit. My question to you guys is um, clearly what Monty did with the line shuffling accomplished his mission in that he needed to get some guys going like DeBrusque and Marshy, um, Geeky, Zaka. But the shortening of the bench in the second period, do you think that was more due to the fact that he wasn't liking what he was seeing from the push from San Jose or the fact that, you know, Patra and even Laco, maybe the moment might have been a little too much for them or a combination of both? I mean, his, his job is to, to win games, and winning these games on the road is not going to be easy. So I had no problem with it. I saw a lot of social media chatter um, about, you know, icing the guy on, on the bench and blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted your take on, on that. Thanks for the time, guys. I appreciate the call, Maria. What did you think of, you know, again, this is just kind of part of who Jim Montgomery is, and sometimes it's, you know, dictated by the game. Sometimes it's dictated by the feel. As you said, you know, he wasn't particularly happy with practice on Wednesday or the morning skate on Thursday. They they started well. I mean, they the first period was by far their best in that game on Thursday night. Uh, but second period was clearly a dip in play. So, you know, is he just quick on the trigger because of that? Yeah, and and every coach wants to win every night, no matter what they say, no matter what the organizational message is. And that's what that's where a coach can get kind of lost in no man's land sometimes. You know, like you think about you know, I remember talking with Bruce Cassidy about this when, you know, hey, you didn't develop young guys. He goes, Well I'm trying to win every night. I they want me to win every night, right? I can't I don't really have the patience to to play guys who aren't ready. Not to say the guys that they're playing are not ready, but like in the moment, it's harder for a coach to stick with guys if they're not going because his job is to win games. And if they don't win games, he doesn't have a job. So I think, yeah, it's a continuation of, of some of the bad habits that he had seen uh, through the first two games before the third game and saying, I got to mix this up here. I, I, I have to mix this up. And uh, it, it's also just, I, I think sometimes when you're playing with a lead, you know, they're up 2-0, the Sharks stink, let's be honest. And you're saying, okay, you know what? I might have time to to... to to see a combo that I want to see, that I've wanted to take a look at. So you think he's breaking out the lab coat and doing a little experimenting? I think so. I think so. And that's, I mean, that schedule allows you to do that. It's your first game in a billion days. The Sharks stink. You're up by two. You don't think that player X has it? All right, let's try player X with player Y and Z. Let's see this combo now. Let's see what this looks like. You know, and sometimes he's bang on. Other times it doesn't work out. Like last year, Taylor Hall, Marshan, and Bergeron, that did not work out. That was not a pretty line. I did not enjoy that line. Thought it'd be good. Saw it. I was like, ooh, this stinks, actually. This is not good. Uh, however, there are other lines that you ice and you go, oh, don't touch this, such as JVR, Coil, Frederick. That was a line that was dominant from start to finish. They were phenomenal, I it, thought, on Thursday. I think there was eight shots combined in the first period, um, you know, were asserting themselves offensively. You know that that line can be physical. You know that line's got some, you know, they can score. They can, they can defend. Like, there's it's a it, triple stacker that, right there. That's that's not a, you know, when, when you kind of looked up and down this roster going in, uh, you know, we didn't really know, especially with Van Riemsdyk, like, where exactly will he fit? I mean, that's a that yeah. looks like a really good fit. I'm not sure if it fits with the rest of the roster. 
and and whether they might be able to keep that group together long term and and get the production that they're looking for out of other lines. But for at least that one game, I think there's not a lot to complain about there. No, and they had an on ice edge in shots ten to two. Like they they are out shooting the opponent five to one basically. You know, went on the ice and look at that quick math. Uh, I was a C student, baby. Uh, no, but uh, I I like it because I think that I think that if JVR is in your top six over the course of eighty two games, not a great idea. I I think this is more his speed. This is more he wants to be, and also Coyle and Frederick have become a phenomenal combo. For whatever reason, that one-two works. I don't touch that one-two to the point where if I'm if I'm keeping them together, I'm contemplating putting Marsh in with them. I'm like, you know what? This combo works, and let's put this guy, let's have a souped-up version of the Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick line from last year because Coyle and Frederick, when they're together since the start of last year, the Bruins are doubling up the opponents in goals. And and here's the other part of it. You can utilize that line in any, any all three zones, and you feel comfortable with it. Like, the second half of last year, they were putting that line against, like, Austin Matthews and Braden Point. Like, they were giving them tough assignments, and they weren't drowning. So that combo, Coyle and Frederick, I'm very reluctant to break them up. They just work. They just work together. And that's part of, you know, that, that has been a big part of how even under – Bruce Cassidy it's about you know finding those pairs right and then then we'll worry about what the third you know who the third guy is in that combination later but if you can find those pairs you know Marshan and and Bergeron were always a pair no matter who their other wing was those two were always going to be together and that's uh, you know has become kind of the way that they they build their their lineup in the top 12. Yeah and I actually wanted to ask you this so do you think because I because I have an opinion on this I'm, I'm not sure if you are on the same boat here. Do you think that Charlie Coyle and Jake DeBrusque have ever had chemistry? <laughs> like, I don't think they've ever had chemistry. And that's like the big, that was my biggest issue with the idea of Charlie Coyle moving up because I think Charlie Coyle does a great job in his role. However, this team was entering the year with Jake DeBrusque being a top six right wing. Right. And I didn't see Coyle and Coyle and DeBrusque ever have chemistry in their time together. And, and granted, we're going back to 2020. 2021 back when DeBrusque was not really feeling himself in terms of his confidence and his game but I've never thought that those two have gelled together and I thought that was the biggest roadblock in terms of that line that opening night first line coil line whatever you want to call it succeeding because I I just didn't see DeBrusque and Coyle having it and I think I think DeBrusque was had his had his perhaps his most jump to date playing with Pasternak and Zaka on Thursday night. And I was like, oh, look at He's away from Coyle. And now he's looking more like the Jake that you're used to seeing. Let's grab John in Detroit here quickly. John, you're up next on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, uh, love the show. It's great to hear your voices again. I'm really excited about this year, this season. I want to ask you two quick things. The first is Milan Lucic. Is it too early to, to have a take on, on uh, how he looks? And the second thing is, what do you think about these rumors um, that Allmark might be being shopped around the NHL? I read an article about that this morning. So thanks very much. Uh, yeah, so on the Allmark front, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is a bit of wishful thinking on the part of some writers who want some clicks and some views right now. Uh, the Bruins look at their goaltending as their backbone uh, this year after losing Bergeron and Krejci, losing Orlov, losing Clifton, 
um, you know, more pressures on their D and their goaltending. And I think that they realize that they are at their best when they're able to have the one-two punch in net. Neither one of them get neither one of them gets gassed because of this. They they keep them fresh. And they also, I think, something worth noting here too is that Brandon Bus Brandon Bussey, who everyone projects as the the heir apparent to the backup, should they trade one of the goaltenders, not off to a great start. Oh two and one nine oh five save percentage right now in the AHL. Uh, I haven't I haven't gone down any of the games in Providence, so I'm not sure if it's if the team in front of him or if he's just not having a good start. But I think for them to trade a goaltender, Brandon Bussey has to force their hand and be putting up a nine thirty you know nine thirty two mm-hmm. down in Providence and really knocking at the door saying, I'm ready. You got to make room for me. And that's not happening yet. So I think they like both goaltenders, and they're going to keep both of them. Uh, Next summer, we'll see. But I think right now they have no interest in trading either guy. And Lucic, quiet night on Thursday. But overall, million bucks, I think he's doing his job as a leader, as a fourth-line presence. I've liked that fourth line. Not sure about you, but I've liked that fourth line a lot. I want to talk to you a little bit later on about Johnny Beecher, too. Because, you know, he... Got his first point the other night. I feel like he's fitting in pretty well so far. So we'll get into uh, to some of that. Billy Jaffe is going to join us. We'll talk about uh, the Bruins and some things going on around the NHL with him as we continue here on the Shaws and Star Market Hockey Show. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Ryan Johnston, John Surratt, and Bob Beer. This is the Shaws and Star Market Hockey Show on the Sports Hub. Here on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show on a Saturday morning, Ryan Johnston and Ty Anderson with you until 11 o'clock. The team out west this week. So Judd and Bob will join us in the second hour. That means our friend Billy Jaffe is joining us a little bit earlier than usual this week to go around the NHL. And he joins us now on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. Good morning, Billy. Oh, good morning, RJ. Good morning, Ty. How are you? I hope I, I'm coming in clear. I'm in the mammoth facility that is Chelsea Piers in Connecticut right now. <laughs> they claim to have amazing Wi-Fi, and so I'm I'm trusting it. The hockey world in Boston is trusting it right now. How are you guys doing? Sound good. Sound good. We're uh, all all well here, and uh, big di- big day for the Junior Eagles, I'm sure. So two games, yes, two games against Mid Fairfield. Junior Rangers here in this, uh, really, it's a gorgeous facility. Anybody that's been down here knows it, and it's packed, absolutely packed. They got everything you could possibly want. So happy to go on early because the kids are going on the ice, and it allows Judd and Bob to get their beauty sleep. Well, it's not it's not like you have to stay up late tonight or anything. <laughs> I know. This schedule sucks right now. But anyway, <laughs> all good. What's happening that you're in? What have you thought uh, through three games? What, what, the, what's 
what's good, what's bad with this Bruins team? I mean, there's not too much bad. They're 3-0, and but it's not exactly been perfect yet. No, 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 it hasn't been at all. Uh, what's good? Okay, uh, I you know, they're getting some goals from guys that you want to see score early. Pasternak, you know, you know he's going to score, but you will still want to see him going. Uh, JBR, three goals, that's awesome. Uh, you're seeing some good stuff from Pavel Zaka. I, you know, he was really good last game. Uh, I think he's on a mission, guys, to to show that he is a top, like not a, just a good center, but a top-tier center in the NHL. He's got so much more confidence, at least in my eyes, this year compared to last year where he was. Um, you know, I, I, I last game, I liked the way that Hampus Lindholm played. We hadn't seen that yet, so that was encouraging. The goaltending is probably the most a positive thing because how well the guys have played through three. What's not been so positive uh, in no particular order, too many penalties, too many stick infractions, too many good chances against. And I don't, you know, listen, people say, yeah, they're not playing some great teams. You know, San Jose is not going to be good this year. The Blackhawks are going to be fun, but not great. And they've given up chances. It's not that so much. I don't want to, it's not even disrespecting the teams. It's anybody they're playing early on in the season. The games are emotional, but they're not that intense. Does that make sense? Like sure. they're, they're, they're just not. So I just feel the Bruins have been too loose um, in their own zone. They're still filling out the structure guys in their own zone. And, and, and they're giving up too much, especially in key times of the game. You know, they, they've had some good first periods and then it hasn't been great. So they had an average first game, better second game, except for all the penalties. The penalty kill is great. And the third game, they first. And then I kind of felt like they cruise controlled second and third. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, again, it, it might have to do with the competition might have to do with the, you know, the, the lack of, uh, of just games early in the season. Right. I mean, just like trying to find, yeah. trying to yeah. find your, your full game speed is difficult when you're not playing a lot of games. It is. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we heard about uh, Jim Montgomery giving it to the team in practice out in San Jose. And then in the morning skate before the game, um, I think your point about lack of games, RJ, is significant early on. And then they get out there and, you know, they want to do the right thing, but they have a hard time generating to do the right thing. Um, then they do the right thing and they go in. Sometimes as a player, the last thing you want to do is go sit in the locker room for 17 minutes after a great period. You want to keep playing, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it's like, huh, okay. And then they couldn't re-elevate their, their systems, their style, et cetera. But, I, I mean, listen, this is also a team that I don't need to tell you guys a lot of transition, key pieces. And so they're still, they're really still, guys are re-identifying themselves right now. And that takes time. It just does. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some things going on around the league as, uh, you know, teams kind of starting to, you know, get a sense of who they are, what they are. And uh, I wanted to ask you, because we've talked a lot about the, the Atlantic division so far with you. We talked a little bit about the Metro last week. Just, you know, since the Bruins are out West, let's talk a little bit about the Western Conference right now where Vegas is off to a 5-0 and start. Colorado's off to a 4-0 and start. Not just winning games, but, you know, some fairly dominant scores in there for both of those teams. Are those two teams going to be, at the end of the day, the class of the Western Conference? I would be very surprised if they're not. Uh, Vegas, we understand, you know, how good of a team they are now. I mean, winning a Stanley Cup helps, but now... They're very healthy, too. They're playing both Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson so far. They've split net mining duties, and they're both very good, very competent, very big. We're, we're talking 6'4", six, 6'5", six guys. Um, I, I think that Vegas is, is going to try and show that they want to, you know, not just repeat, but do it the right way. Chandler Stevenson 
still doesn't get the recognition. I think guys that he deserves, you know, RJ, this is a guy that first line on many teams, you've leading them in scoring so far. Um, they're healthy. Mark Stone, you remember last year, tumultuous kind of in and out, especially near the end of the season, came back. He's been healthy. Jack Eichel, again, continues to flourish playing uh, in, the, in the system, the structure out there. So they're really good. They got a great D crew. Colorado, to me, is the team that is really on the mission, though. Like, to me, they they ended up, they had a lot of injuries last year. And, you know, I've watched them a little bit so far this season. Now, granted, their home opener was against the Blackhawks. We're ending their trip. And the Blackhawks were just gassed. And the Blackhawks aren't great. But Colorado gave them nothing. What I'm seeing out of Colorado, I mean, their depth, you know, you start with their big guns and Ranton and McKinnon and obviously McCarr. But their depth, guys, the Logan O'Connors, the Valerie Nishuskins, Ryan Johansson, a lot of people forget that they added him. He just scored his first goal uh, the other night. Their depth is really, really good. And Yorgiev and Nett, you know, last year he had 40 wins next to, to, to Linus Olmark. And I think a lot of people, self-included, I needed a refresher on that, didn't realize that. I say the jury's still out on him because we haven't seen him do a long playoff run, but this is a very deep team, a very determined team. And they looked at last year as, wait a second, not it was a fluke, but, you know, the injuries kind of screwed us up a bit. And this year, right now, they look really good, RJ. Another t- uh, one of the teams, Billy, that you didn't mention in that grouping is Edmonton. A lot of expectations <laughs> there, especially after. Well, the reason- <laughs> There's a good reason for yeah. that. <laughs> but, you know, but a team that finished last year really strong once they acquired Mateus Ekholm. Like, yep. what what is going on? I think it's pretty obvious what's going on, but, like, what is their next move if, if this goaltending situation does not self-correct here? Oof. That's gonna, it's a good question, Ty, because if they don't rectify what's going on right now, like, and they just lost to Philly the other night, um, I wonder if their coaching makes it, you know? I wonder, and, and you know, Jay Woodcroft has is, is worked hard to get where he is. Um, I, I wonder, even though he can't control the goalies, and you're talking about Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. Campbell has had more opportunity this year so far than Campbell. I'm sorry, than uh, Skinner, who ended as the starter last year. I mean, they they're hamstrung tied. They're just, you know, I, I mean, how are you going to move a five million dollar contract? Well, two years left, three years left with Jack Campbell. If he's not the guy, how are you going to move that? Put him on waivers. You put him down. You get some salary cap relief if you do that. But what's your next move? I, I wonder if it's coaching, even though I don't know what coaching is going to do unless it's going to provide even more structure or try to for them defensively. I don't need to tell you this. You know this tie and RJ. They're top heavy and they're fun. And they're they're really, you know, they're really good when how's this for analysis? They're really good when they're on, when they're really good. But when they're off, they don't have that that bedrock to go to, that infrastructure and that calmness of a goaltending duo to say you're going to be okay. So when it's all said and done, I don't know how much more they can do. Last year, they pulled up a big, big trade. You mentioned Matias Ekholm tie going there, and people were impressed with Kenny Holland being able to do that. I don't know if he has another uh, ability to pull off something like that this year to help change the DNA of the team. Well, you mentioned calmness. Uh, there's always a calmness around the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Oh, yes, um, always. Always uh, two and two start out of the gate for them, but I was you know I was mentioning to tie off the air this morning. I was reading before we came on uh, some analysis of why Tyler Bertuzzi is not fitting in in Toronto after four games already. He's got one goal. That's his only point so far. Obviously, you know Austin Matthews is off to a, a, a great start. Nylander's playing well. 
but there's already questions about whether Bertuzzi is going to work out there on the on the short term contract that he got. Yeah, and, and and that's just that's ridiculous. Now, that's not to say that he is going to work out. We don't have the crystal ball per se, but it's four games. He's also been battling something. Remember, he was a game time decision the other night. He, he made it to practice yesterday. I don't know what exactly it is, but you know, I I mean, all guys three four games into the season, it's the old let's pump the brakes a little bit. There, I'm confident in him. What they're having a what they're having a real issue with RJ is their depth up front. Their their third and fourth lines. Okay, you mentioned Bertuzzi; he hasn't fit in great yet, but Max, Max Domi, Domi has, yeah, has really struggled. Matthew Nyes, their super rookie, he has struggled. They brought up this kid or, or kept this kid, Frazier Minton, uh, up after training camp. I don't. He's played four games, but I'm not sure where he's going to go. If he's really going to stay there or not go back to juniors. My intuition says he'll go back to juniors. Ryan Reeves is a minus four. I'm not, you know, I don't have the analytics in front of me, but you know, the, the, the fourth line has been significantly outchanced whomever they have with them. I mean, they're trying to find spots for, you know, the Noah Gregors, the David camps of the world. And they, they signed camp. I believe it was to a four year contract. And like they're having issues with their third and fourth line. And it's still kind of the same old, same old there really top heavy. Samsonov's been okay. He's two and one right now, but his goals against is a 3.7. And his save percentage is an eight six one. So you know, like, like this is the same type of thing there that you know Troy Living thought would bring in Domi and Reeves would help transform their appearance on the ice. And you got to be able to play more. I mean, that's what's been you know that's what's been a key for them. Uh, you know, for uh, like a guy like Lucic, he's been able to play more. He's shown some good stuff. And you know, in his role, and and right now, and I know we're very early in the season, guys like Reeves and. And this Minton kid and Nyes and their depth guys, they have not played well at all in Toronto. And I was going to say another team that that is in the East that is really fascinating, I think Bruins fans are very familiar with them, is the Carolina Hurricanes. A lot of change there. What do you think about the team that that they've put together and what Rod Brindamore uh, needs to do with that team to maximize it? Well, Ty, I mean, I'm going to ask a question to Ant. Like, are are you – and I'm not, that's not a pop quiz, but, you know, are yeah. you buying still their goaltending when it's all said and done? I, um, uh, you know, yeah. It, you the, know, the problem with that is they're never healthy at the same time. It feels like <laughs> there's something that, there's, there's something to be said for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, so do you have that reliable goaltending when it's all said and done? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I believe that this team it's this year, next year, a bust for Carolina. I mean, that that's, that's it. They have some young players. Yeah. But but this is their sweet spot for for winning it. I mean, you know, they've got D'Angelo and Burns. They got two guys that want the puck on their stick an awful lot in the back, and D'Angelo's already a minus four um, on the season. You know, they did bring in Orlov, who is a minus ten. Can you believe that? This team is a and through five games, he is a minus ten for this Carolina team. A very different system uh, than what they played with the Bruins. So, you know, right now, I still think they're a, a hell of a team, Ty. I do. I just don't know if I can tell you come playoff crunch time that their goaltending and their team toughness on the back end will take them to the promised land. That's the way I look at this team. Now, Brindamore is a great motivator. He's a great players coach. Uh, I love the guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's getting, he's, he's milking as much as he can tie out of this or will eventually. But right now I think that 
you said there were some changes there, and there were. They brought in Michael Bunting as well. And again, I mentioned D'Angelo and Lemieux. And these are players that I would call nice role players, but they got to get Dmitry Arlov straightened out. And if they do that, I think that'll help their D crew a lot. All right, Billy Jaffe, got to know we got to let you go so you can uh, get behind the bench. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Gentlemen, wonderful to catch up. Take care, guys. There is Billy Jaffe. He is brought brought to us by Sparks Hockey. Sharpen your hockey skates at home with the Sparks Sharpener. Be ready for hockey season. Head to sparkshockey.com and use promo code SPORTSHUB at checkout for $50 off. That's Sparks, S-P-A-R-X. No K, no K and S in there. Just remember the X. <laughs> uh, thanks, to, uh, thanks to Billy for, for joining us. Um, just to kind of piggyback on a little bit of that conversation, he mentioned Dmitry Orlov, minus 10. In Carolina, which, by the way, is uh, three shots clear of the field if you're uh, following the early stages of the race for the green jacket this year. Um, minus 10 for Orlov. I mentioned Bertuzzi and, you know, Toronto media already kind of questioning whether he fits. Um, Connor Clifton has gotten off to a little bit of a rough start in Buffalo through four games. Uh, he's a minus five. No, no points. Um You know, some of these players that I think, you know, under maybe some more cat-friendly circumstances might still be here in Boston seem to be having some some pains fitting into their their new organizations. Taylor Hall has one assist through four games in Chicago, Mm -hmm. playing with Connor Bedard. It's kind of a good spot to be in, I think. Uh, Yeah, and and this is sort of, you know, again, it's so early. It's so early in the season. You can't really make any sort of definitive – judgment on it but if you're the Bruins you're feeling okay like you're feeling a little bit better that you didn't sell the farm to keep one of these guys right like that was sort of always the the message that I had heard was like well why are we going to trade three guys to keep one guy like does does that make us better it's a lot of pressure on that player and you're seeing that these players while serviceable are not franchise altering talents right or like they're not going to step right in and be like oh wow you fixed all of their problems like Orlov's numbers, Bertuzzi, the articles are writing about him in Toronto already. Like, and it could change, obviously. Again, still so early. But I think if you're the Bruins, you gotta be you got to be feeling pretty good that you didn't trade, again, trade multiple players or at a better position, goaltending, to keep one of these players. Well, look, Bertuzzi fit in well here. As you kind of mentioned earlier, it seems like yeah. anybody who plays on David Posternak's line tends to tends to fit in pretty well and, yeah. and, and produce. I mean, that certainly helps. But the knock on him and the likely to me, the reason he doesn't get from the Bruins or anybody else, apparently a long term contract offer is there's big questions about his durability. He's missed a lot of games in in his time in Detroit. uh, And now, you know, he starts off the year and he starts off a little slow. And what's the first thing that comes out? Well, he's dealing with an injury and he's you know, trying to play through it right now. It's like, well, that's always kind of been the knock on him, and that's likely why he doesn't have a seven- or eight-year contract right now. Yeah, and, and you want to know something? Is that he didn't he didn't battle an injury a bit at all in Boston, and it was his best run ever. But, you know, to your point, is that sustainable? It's never been sustainable for him. He's always been hurt. The year the Bruins got him, you know, last year, he had a, a, he had a broken hand. I think like, he broke each, both his hands last year, hand, yeah. right? He got, a, he got his hand shut in a trunk, I guess. I, like, I don't know, like, but... <laughs> You know, it, it, it's it's a legit thing with him, and it's a, a real reason why his market was a bit more depressed than many expected. I also think his agent kind of misplayed his hand, but that's that's his own discussion. But um, 
it, it, it's a it's a legit problem. And if you're not on the ice, well, then it doesn't really matter where you go. It doesn't really matter what money you're getting because you're not doing what you got to do for for the team that paid you. So I think ultimately, I I I believe the Bruins will be happy that they did not pay Tyler Bertuzzi. I think they will get just as many goals on the aggregate based on whoever's playing with with David Pasternak and Pavel Zaka. To your point, and to our point rather, like Eric Halla got his value restored back to Vegas Eric Halla playing with David Pasternak. Mm. Pavel Zaka moved from one of the best draft busts of all time, essentially, to tremendous second line player playing with David Pasternak. Like he is the upgrade. Like he makes everyone around him better. So I think they 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 feel totally fine about that. We will be joined by Judd Surratt coming up after the uh, headlines at 10 o'clock. You can join us as well, 617-779-0985. Ryan Johnston along with Ty Anderson on this week's edition of the Shaws and Star Market Hockey. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com.